Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 176. Here it is. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? This is Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry. I just wanted to take a second to uh, spread the word. Uh, what we learn so much on the show is in order to be successful, it's really about paying it forward and being there for your community and helping other people out. And I really want to start acting on the advice that I'm receiving from all these incredible guests. So in my effort to act on the advice... That if you want to be successful, you need to support your community. And my community are the people who are listening in, who are aspiring to be great in this industry. So in in the attempt to uh, spread the word and pay it forward, I want to share with you an opportunity. Edwin Bloodworth, out in Nashville, North Carolina, reached out to me and asked me for some support uh, to get the word out about an underground concept he's trying to get going. So if you're out in Asheville, North Carolina, and you have nothing going on October 11th, Edwin's putting on a dinner and you should totally check it out uh, head over to restaurant unstoppable uh, the show notes that are associated with this episode you'll find out later the exact link but head over to the show notes and i'll have links for you to go check out how you can get tickets for this underground event and uh edwin i hope you're listening man good luck with everything and thanks for uh being a listener and supporting the show all right that's all i have let's hit play and enjoy today's mentor here it is with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Scott Steenrod. Scott, are you feeling unstoppable today? Eric, it's a Monday morning and I'm feeling incredibly unstoppable. <laughs> awesome. Steenrod is a graduate of Clemson University and got his professional career started as a manager working at Apple South Restaurants, where he specialized in leading new restaurant operations and helped propel Applebee's towards becoming the world's largest casual dining chain. He would go on to work at Cafe 22 Tango, where he would become director of human resources. From 22 Tango, Steenrod would go on to join Celebrity Cruises as Vice President of Food and Beverage Operations. And under Steenrod's leadership, Celebrity's culinary team was the first cruise line to be featured at the prestigious historic James Beard House in New York City. For almost two years now, Steenrod has been the Vice President of Operations at the Garcia's Group where he oversees more than 1,150 hospitality professionals from a wealth of different backgrounds and cultures, working in 15 award-winning restaurants and bringing the celebrated cuisine of Chef Jose Garcia's to thousands and thousands of guests. I mean, this is just a huge aerial view, Scott, of who you are, what you've accomplished, just scratching the surface. I can't wait to learn more. But before we really dive in, I want to get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you have for us today so this one goes back to my days at college actually my days at Clemson University uh, that's when I really started becoming a bit passionate about leadership and trying to understand 
uh, things you need to do to bring out the best in others. And I think a big part of that is your attitude. And, and uh, I always remember a quote from William Jennings, William Jennings Bryan, destiny's not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. It is not a thing to be waited for, it is a thing to be achieved. And you know, I love the use of the word achievement because uh, achievement really does indicate so much behind it. Hard work, passion, constant learning, um, and I think that really has, throughout my career, good and bad times, helped define my focus is that, hey, no matter what's happening, uh, you as a human being, you as a leader have the ability, particularly as my career has grown, to influence the things happening around you and drive whatever definition of achievement and success uh, is important to you. So, uh, yeah, that's one that keeps me keeps me moving every day. Great, man. That is an awesome way to get this interview started. And I love it because the more I interview people, the more I learn. It's just so much about living intentionally and doing so much on purpose and having that just mentality of I have a choice to become successful, but I have to make that decision and commit to it. But it's all up to you, like you say. Just, and that's kind of what I took from that quote. So I'm pumped up. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> So let's talk about, now that we're all pumped up, let's talk about your why. You know, why did you get into this industry? What's your purpose? What drives you about what you do? Yeah, I never planned to do this. In fact, I have, I have a funny story. I was, uh, you know, graduated my undergraduate degree. All throughout my undergraduate years, my intention was to go to law school. Mm -hmm. And so um, after graduation, I had a summer to kill and said, you know what, I was kind of like Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. I wanted as little responsibility as possible. So <laughs> find a job doing what I'd always enjoyed doing, just a job cooking at a local restaurant, blow off some steam, and get ready for a successful three years of law school. And I happened to go work uh, with Apple South at the time. Uh, now we're talking the mid-90s, so kind of the dark ages, it feels like. But uh, Got an hourly job as a line cook at this restaurant, was there for several weeks, and, and it was a new concept for them, so a lot of their corporate leadership were there. And so I started getting to know some of the more progressive thinking minds in the industry, and, and you know, they did the old put their arm around the shoulder conversation with me and said, hey, you know, you could have a great career in this business, you should really think about it. So long story short, I decided to forego law school for a year, uh, and 20 years later, I'm still here. Uh, never went to law school. <laughs> And, and it, it took me a while. I remember it was, Eric, it was one of the most excruciating decisions of my life. I mean, I had spent four years essentially completely focused on this goal of getting to law school and getting into the best law school possible. And I had to look a lot inside myself and say, why do I want to do this? Mm. Why do I want to be a lawyer? And what I, I think I realized was I wanted to do it for all the wrong reasons. I wanted to do it because on paper it sounded good. You know, obviously financially a career as an attorney can be very lucrative. But I don't think I really had it in my heart, and, and I started looking inside myself and understanding why it is I loved coming to work and working in the restaurant business so much. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where this kind of the why of me was discovered, and that is it really is about the opportunity to make a positive difference in the lives of mm -hmm. others. Um, you know, I, I think it's something that it sounds a bit cliche, but the reality is, you know, through a world-class dining experience, you know, the ex moments our guests share with us, you know. Uh, engagements, birthdays, you know, holidays, uh, sad goodbyes, whatever it is, these are moments that will stick with them the rest of their lives. And similarly, you know, the opportunity to make a positive impact in the lives of the people I work with every day. And, and the great thing about our business is so many people come into it without a compass. They kind of land here through, you know, happenstance. So I'll do this till I get a quote unquote real job. And, and you know, all of a sudden they find a compass in this business and. 
you know, as I've grown as a leader and had the ability to touch more and more lives, I've always found that to be one of the most gratifying things I do is just help people grow, to grow from, uh, you know, kind of young and naive and not knowing into, you know, really successful long-term career professionals. And it's really what motivates me every day, more than the, the technical elements of what we do, which I'm obviously very proud of, but it is ultimately when you get this right, both from an employee and peer standpoint, from the communities we impact, and certainly from the guests, you're making a positive impact that will last a long time. I love it. And I think that's absolutely, I mean, I agree with you. One of the things I love about this industry as well is just like you said, is to be able to impact not just your guests, but the people around you. And there's so many opportunities in this industry to touch somebody's life and to really influence somebody, especially young people too. So I love what you're saying. It's great stuff. And I mean, can you bring it to a moment though, Scott, where you just knew that you know this was going to be your career. Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but can you bring us down to the moment where you made the decision to commit to a career in hospitality and just bring us through that? I want to be like I'm right there with you. It was the summer of 95. I'd started as a, a line cook making seven bucks an hour and um, again had had you know, a relatively quick opportunity to start moving things along. And we had... Uh, a real motley crew working with me every day on the line. You know, we had ex-cons, we had college kids. I mean, it was just this, you know, amalgamation of, like, all backgrounds and lifestyles. And uh, there was an older gentleman that was one of our line cooks, and uh, he had been in and out of jail, in and out of drug rehab, all of this stuff. And, and I'm, you know, I got to know him working on the line every night, and he just looked me in the eye, you know, and said, and here I am, a 22-year-old kid, don't know much of anything. And he said, uh, Look, you're making a huge difference in my life. I really look up to you. You're you're a role model, and you're helping me find direction that I've never had. And wow. uh, as a kid that young, uh, who was just uh, flying by the seat of my pants, quite frankly, trying to use all my leadership instincts as best I could uh, to make a difference like that, regardless of his background, it's a guy that needed directions, a guy that needed needed uh, you know role models, and for me to be at such a young age, literally an inspiration to somebody who was probably 20 years my senior and certainly hadn't had the easiest lives, uh, that was the moment that I said, wow, this is, this is a pretty special opportunity well beyond just putting plates out. Scott, tell us how that made you feel. I can only imagine like what, where that puts you emotionally. Like, take us through that emotional part of it. Uh, it was emotional. I get emotional now talking about it because, you know, the, the war wounds of this guy's life were, were all over him. Mm. And um, as I got to know him, uh, you know, even his story continues to evoke emotions for me. And um, it made me feel uh, great. It made me feel needed. Um, and it made me feel like by just being me and bringing the passion and love that was really starting to bubble over in me for, for what we do to work every day, uh, that I could really help other people a lot, you know, well beyond uh, just, uh, you know, having a good work shift, but really helping them find direction in their life. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a moment that I will always cherish and never forget and continues to remind me every day uh, as to why it is I do this. Man, you're just dropping so much value on us early out of the gates. And what I've learned from so many people, when I first started doing these interviews, I really didn't have a clue on what it was that made people successful. But as I've learned from so many people, it really starts with a personal like 
inner journey of just being an awesome person and having a genuine interest in the benefits of others and putting other people first and helping other people. And that's one thing that all my guests have in common is they're just great people who genuinely care about helping others. And I'm hearing that coming from you now. And it's so powerful. I mean, the journey starts with yourself being great first. And I can't wait to hear what you're going to share with us. Um, But it's time to move on, Scott. And you had somebody say to you, you know, put their arm around you and say, you have a career in this industry because they saw something in you, some it factors. So what are your it factors, Scott? What are these things that people see in you? What makes you so successful? If you could just narrow it down to a few characteristics or habits. I think we hit on some of it, Eric. I think it's number one, this industry starts in my heart. You know, it really does come from my love for making a positive difference with others. And I think when people pick up on that, you know, they know that, hey, this is not just a job. This is something that reflects the essence of this person. That that creates a magnetism that is tough to 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 teach and it's tough to certainly instill in yourself you know, kind of externally. It's just something you got to kind of be born with and have inside you. And, you know, particularly in our business, it's, it's a tough business. It requires a lot of hours, a lot of, a lot of commitment. Um, and you get it, if you get into it for a reason other than that, other than your love and passion for what we do, and, and that maybe if you're a chef, maybe more on just your love and passion for the creative process of cuisine, or if you're a, a, on the beverage side of things, your love and passion for wine and spirits and mixology, whatever it is, it's got to start there. It's got to start with you know, really being the essence of who you are. And I think that's when I go back to that time in my life. That's really what I discovered. You know, I was, I was free of a lot of the external influences that you get in life, the pressures of, of your parents or others to, to achieve. And it was all about who are you and discovering mm-hmm. that. And so I think the it factor number one started with that. I think the second thing that has served me incredibly well is just my ability to be my, my empathy. My ability to really try and see the world through other people's eyes, feel what they're feeling, either be it a guest or a colleague or someone that I'm working with every day, and try and apply that passion in making the most of that moment. Mm -hmm. And um, I think those two characteristics, probably more than any other, have been the ones. I'm certainly not the smartest guy in the room. I'm certainly not the best looking. Uh, Those things have served me, I think, more than anything else in kind of bringing forward the type of success I've achieved and fortunate to achieve, honestly, over the years. Wow. Just having that love and passion to make a positive difference in others and your ability to have that empathy in social intelligence is what I wrote down here. Social intelligence is huge the more I learn. And uh, can you take us through a story, Scott, where – it was either the it factor of having that positive influence in others or your ability to empathize with others. And just bring us through a story where that it factor really shined through and help you get to the next level in your career. Yeah, it's, it's a, I gave some thought to this one, Eric, but it was actually a pretty easy, easy answer because it's fairly recent. It was just a year ago. And, you know, I think you learn the most about yourself as a leader and certainly your organization a lot more during tough times and good times. And uh, the road in the restaurant business is never paved completely with success. There are going to be failures. There are going to be frustrations. There are going to be things that don't go well. Uh, And just about a year ago, we had the unfortunate uh, situation where we had to close four restaurants at the exact same time through absolutely no fault of our own. Uh, we had four high-performing restaurants at Rebel Casino in Atlantic City. 
Uh, it was a rather troubled sort of project from the beginning, but within the confines of the overall casino and, and resort, we were doing great. We were serving thousands of guests a day. We had an amazing high-performing team. Um, you know, financially, they were high-performing uh, pieces of our business overall. And so to have to go in all of a sudden and tell everybody, uh, it's over. You know, we've got to we've got to shut this down because our landlord is, is out of money and is is closing. Uh, it was just heartbreaking because you know it's it's a lot easier when you have those situations if you've made ten million mistakes to sit down. And people say, hey, you know, we all kind of knew this was coming. Uh, in this case, uh, it was through the end kind of unfathomable to us that we were having to go to this length. Uh, in such a high performing environment, so uh, you know to have to sit down with those. 400 plus employees and look them in the eye and tell them, hey, through no fault of your own, uh, we're going to have to roll this thing up. You're going to be out of a job, uh, all of that unfortunate stuff. Uh, and yet to do it in a way that let them know how much we cared about them uh, was really one of the greater challenges of my career. And what I'm most proud of is we literally retained close to 70% of those people. Wow. Uh, we were able to place them in other locations. Uh, throughout Philadelphia, you know, the commitment that they showed to commute from, you know, close to an hour each direction to stay part of the company, their continued loyalty and, and passion for what we do. Uh, it was, you know, kind of that perfect synergistic moment where as a leader, if you do this wrong, you're going to bungle it up. You're going to lose a lot of people and a lot of goodwill for a long time. But if you do it right, it's going to be a, a, a moment that defines you and, and your company for the future. And seeing so many of those people stay loyal to us. Uh, continue their careers with us, you know, keep us positioned uh, for future growth and success beyond this really unfortunate set of circumstances uh, is something that uh, I will always reflect on as a moment that I'm really, really proud of. And it was tough. I mean, it was uh, certainly in the course of my career, I've been through some tough moments in this business. It was as tough as they come. Uh, but it was really uh, the people then their response, and, and I have to take some credit, I guess, is, is helping guide us through that. Uh, that uh, kept me going and brought out the best of me and told me, hey, you can't let these people down. Mm. So, yeah, that, that would be the moment as I look back that I think best sort of defines, uh, or I, I guess when I think in the context of challenging situations would be, would be amongst the top. Absolutely. And, I mean, with, as far as the it factors that I really heard come out, I mean, both of your it factors are actually just caring about people and what your actions, what outcomes are going to come from your actions. But also, I mean, being empathetic and being able to develop rapport with people, uh, having that social intelligence and just being genuine goes so far. And I mean, I'm sure they knew that you didn't want to do what you had to do. I'm sure that ability to have that social intelligence and to be so transparent in your uh, caring for others just helped with that process. Do you think that played a big role? Yeah, I mean, I, I think authenticity is an absolute critical trait of, of effective leaders. Um, I tell people all the time, your role as a leader more than anything else is to attract followers. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, can, you can try and build a culture that's one of compliance where people do what they do because they're told to and because they're afraid of the consequences if they don't do what they're told. And you'll get a decent level of performance out of that. Uh, if you're really capable of connecting with them and inspiring them and leading in a way that is real and authentic and, you know, gaining their commitment, 
to your, your leadership, your vision, what it is you're about as an organization, that's where the magic happens, where you get to really excellent. You get to excellence in every uh, guest interaction. You get to excellence in your culture and how you take care of each other. You even get to excellence in some of the stuff behind the curtain, you know, the tough decisions we have to make in running a really narrow margin business mm-hmm. uh, as business people that, uh, you know, we don't talk a lot about with our guests or even at times with each other, or certainly not enough, certainly our frontline employees. Uh, but for the leadership, you know, that's a really important part of success in what we do. And uh, they're doing what they do because they believe in it, not because we force them to. Absolutely. I love it. Scott, it sounds like this uh, story is going to just kill two questions with one answer. Because I, I hear so much coming out of the story with your if factors, but you also shared a great failure with us and what you learned from that failure. So we're going to dive to the second half of this interview where you just drop some bombs of knowledge on us and blow us away. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The first question I have for you is what is your advice for getting that initial capital to get started in this industry? I think number one, assemble a great team. You know, your your success in, in the restaurant industry is absolutely a team business. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're going to go out to the marketplace and say, "Hey, we need your support," uh, you better have a believable group of people that are capable of delivering on the commitments you're making to your investors. So, I think number one, and then secondly, obviously, is have a great plan. Mm-hmm. So, get the right people on the bus, figure out where you want everyone to be seated, and then go out and sell that. Uh, and, and kind of what that success is going to look like for you. So, yeah, I think that's it, like anything, and it sounds, again, a little bit cliche, but this is a business that's all about people. And if you're uh, surrounding yourself with a winning team, smart investors will recognize that right away. You read Jim Collins' Good to Great, didn't you? Uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned everybody getting on the bus and in the right seat. I'm sure we'll come back to that later in the interview. But, uh, I mean, one thing I want to point out is I talked to a lot of owners uh, of restaurants, uh, and you're the vice president of operations, and they all the owners say surround yourself with the right people. And it's funny because when I was going into this interview, I was like, Jose uh, Garces surrounded himself with people like you, but then it's a trickle down effect where you do the same exact thing. And it, I feel like, what do you have to say to that? Uh, that's that's the magic formula, you know. And, and it really is when I think about that. It's it's about putting ego aside. Mm-hmm. I think early in your career, you might have a need to know everything, do everything great. You're eventually going to reach a point where that's not possible. Your, your, your strengths will be exposed and, and ideally capitalized upon. Your, your, your areas of opportunity and weaknesses will also be exposed. And a smart leader is going to say, how do I put somebody around me that is better at things than I am? Mm-hmm. And um, that's really the magic formula. It's, it's having the ability to recognize that uh, and putting your ego aside in a way that says, hey, it's okay if this person is better at things than, than I am. Mm-hmm. Like you want that because that's ultimately, it's kind of like all ships rise with the tide. If you're surrounding yourself with a team that has you know, complementary skill sets all at a very high level, that's going to be what make, that's going to be making of a really winning team. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you gave this answer for uh, getting the initial capital because so many times this, this advice comes up with how do you retain people and how do you find good people to work for you. Um, but you mentioned it with you know getting the capital. I think it's so important because when you're going to get that initial capital, really people aren't so much buying into your concept as they are buying into you and the, the people that are surrounding you. So that's so important. Thank you for bringing that up at this time. Um, so what is your advice for hiring good people? I mean, what does it come down to? What questions are you asking? What traits are you looking for? 
I think first and foremost is is it starts with your own self-awareness. And as I mentioned earlier, putting your ego aside. Mm-hmm. Goal as a hiring leader is to uh, first hire for fit. And then ultimately, you know, we can teach people to do anything. Uh, but we can't teach them to be great people. We can't teach them to have passion for the business. And so I think that starts with your great self-awareness of, number one, what you need and what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then having developing sort of a lens or a set of eyeglasses that you look through uh, to instantly recognize people that reflect uh, not only your essence as a leader, but that of your organization and what's important to you. Uh, you know, and, and then secondly is is you know having the ability to also know when to say no, mm-hmm. and that can be tough because you know no candidate rarely are you going to find a perfect candidate. You're going to find one that ticks off a sort of critical mass of the boxes of things that are important to you, uh, but they may lack in other areas. And, and, you know, you have to develop that window that you look through to say, hey, while there are many things I like about this person, and perhaps even on paper they're perfect, but when you meet them, there's this gut thing that comes into play that you got to be honest with yourself about and make some tough decisions, uh, even when a lot of the fundamentals might seem to be correct. But I think it, it does really all starts with um, understanding yourself and then understanding what's important to your leadership and the organization that you're part of. I love it. And uh, that first piece of advice about understanding yourself reminds me a lot of um, what I hear of just having your core values and being clear, visioning, and knowing what it is of that, like you said, what you need, what's important to you. And, I mean, do you, would you say it's important to write these, these things down? Yeah, absolutely. Like when I got to the Garces group, um, you know, when I joined the team here, one of the most, I, I think there's three questions on people's minds. Uh, it, it's what's the deal around here? What do you expect from me and how am I doing? Mm-hmm. And if you're successful in answering those three questions every day, you'd be pretty good at keeping people bought in. Uh, so I, I needed to first answer that first question, kind of like what's the deal? And this was more specific to my leadership and what I look for. And, and I outlined four uh, kind of guiding leadership principles for our team. And I said, these are the things that are sort of my personal non-negotiables uh, and that I look for. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody has a choice, you know, to either get on, to be on board with those. And the great news was when they got here, they really did reflect the essence of who we were when we're at our best. Um, and, you know, certainly you're going to have some attrition in that process too if you're a new leader somewhere. But yeah, I think you have to put it out there for people Pretty, pretty clearly to understand what the deal is. Absolutely. Because if you don't do that for them, they're going to be left with a lot of assumption, and we all know where that takes you. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's important, I think, to be very specific about the things that you're looking at for uh, every day as a leader. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I can't help but think, but you say you said put it out there, uh, and it reminds me of Nick Cirillo, who actually, he created like a landing page. If you go on their website, um, and you're looking to get hired at Nick's Pizza, uh, and you have to go to a landing page first, which literally has all the core values, their culture of that restaurant written out. So you're instantly kind of filtering through the people that aren't a right fit for you, who don't share your same values. But it all just, it's an easy thing to do. It's just to, like you say, just what's important to you and take the time to, you know, really write those out. So awesome. And I love how you say have standards and know to say no, <laughs> like have your standards. That's so great. Uh, all right. The next question I have for you is what is your advice for keeping these great people who meet your standards and uh, are what you want? Like, how do you keep them on your team once you find them? It comes all back to, to just a little bit of that social intelligence piece, but it's staying engaged with them. It's listening. 
It's seeking first to understand the things that they want from their time with you, and then giving them the room they need to grow. Uh, you know, too often, uh, you know, our business is highly transactional, can get very controlling. Uh, you know, as a leader, you may fall into the trap of trying to control everything, and, and all you do when you do that is shut people down. You got to give them space. If, if you've gone to great lengths to hire a winner, somebody you know that is capable of doing so many great things, it's your job as a leader to provide them guidance and support, not control. And so uh, you've got to you've got to understand exactly what it is they're looking for, and listen really effectively and, and uh, actively in that. Stay engaged with them, have regular dialogue, doesn't need to be formal, highly bureaucratic meetings, one-on-ones, all this nonsense. Get out there and talk to people. Uh, and if you're, you're, you know, and I've been fortunate to run, you know, these, these operations that are pretty geographically distributed, they're kind of spread all over the place. Uh, but, you know, when I, I make it a point to spend a bulk of my time out in the restaurants talking to people, and that's where the magic of leadership can really happen. And particularly with your high-performing team members, is, is just having the ability to, to stay engaged with them and listen effectively and uh, be there for them. Awesome. I have stay engaged, listen first, provide guidance and support, and get out there and just talk to your people and be there for them. All incredible advice. So I've already heard you drop a few lines from some books I love which gets me really excited when this happens because I know you're going to share some incredible books with us. So what are some books you'd recommend for somebody getting into this industry, whether it's a, a you know hospitality book or just a, a general per- personal growth or business book? What do you have for us? Uh, big fan of Good to Great from Jim Collins, definitely. Uh, I think you know while it's now at 10, 12, 14 years old, whatever it is, its lessons continue to be really, really uh, impactful in what we do. Um, so I think that's a huge one. Uh, secondly, you know, just from a personal success standpoint, the lessons of the seven habits of highly effective people from Dr. Covey, yes. those are things I learned back in the early 90s that continue to serve me every day. And uh, I think, you know, on your personal success journey, really taking those to heart and applying them. And I was forced to do the workshops and all of that stuff. And I think they definitely did contribute to my early days of having sort of the it factor because they shaped the way I think and approach uh, not only business, but, but life in general, you know, think, win, win, begin with the end in mind, all these very powerful lessons, uh, that come from that book. That's yeah. one I, I really rely a lot on every day. You share another one of those habits earlier when you said first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait until we get to this question. Cause like you said, I mean, you can get influenced so easily just by reading the words of successful people who are, are incredible mentors. And those two books alone are must reads. Are there any other books you can think of? Uh, yeah, there's a great book called the Oz principle that talks all about accountability and, you know, accountability is, is often a dirty word. Um, I like to refer to it more as the champion's mindset. You know, like when you're part of a winning organization and the concept of winning, winning is synonymous with accountability or, or success is synonymous with accountability. And I thought the Oz Principle, it's been an effective tool for me in building a culture uh, organizationally where people understand uh accountability in a good way, you know, and the idea of, of, you know, staying above the line and not making excuses when things go wrong and, and learning from them and making it okay as a leader for people to have, to make mistakes and learn from them. So uh, that's another book I'd really recommend. And, and I, to be honest with you, Eric, one of my favorites to the day I die will be Ken Blanchard's The One Minute Manager. I still think the power of the one minute coaching, the one minute reward, the one minute reprimand, all these things 
particularly in an environment like a restaurant where time is always precious, mm-hmm. uh, are very powerful lessons for young managers just in learning how to share uh, valuable feedback in a very quick, effective, and authentic way with, with, with their teams. Awesome. All incredible books. And I haven't heard uh, – what was the name? Oz? The Oz Principle, yeah. The Oz Principle. I have not heard that mentioned on the show yet, and I actually have never heard of it, so I'm pumped. I'll have to check that out myself. Thank you. And the next question I have for you is on the topic of marketing. If you could just blow us away with one piece of advice on marketing, what would it be? It's all about knowing your audience. Um, you know, particularly running a group like Garces, we have 19 restaurants in you know, six different markets. Uh, and each restaurant concept is very, very unique. So you can have a restaurant, if we just look even here in Philadelphia, you can have a restaurant two blocks away from another one that because of the nature of its concept, uh, it has a completely unique audience. So if you're going to market effectively, it has to start first with knowing your audience and what it is they want from you. So you can't take a one-size-fits-all approach to things. You have to build uh, the systems and, and feedback mechanisms and whatever it is you need to understand how you're doing, how you can get better, and what's important to them. Because ultimately, your marketing initiatives are going to be a success if you're striking a chord with your audience and compelling them to either come in uh, for the first time, come in more frequently, or ultimately spend a bit more when they do come in. So uh, those are the things I think, if I think about the one thing that's marketing success is about, it's all about knowing your audience and making sure you deliver messages that resonate with them. Awesome. And one thing uh, that really stands out to me about, I love that you said knowing your audience because I think people don't realize is once you know your audience, you know where to go to find them. Like, where do they congregate? Like, where do you want to be? Like, what platforms, if you're marketing, like, online, for example, like, there's so many different places where people congregate today online. And if you know who your audience is, you can go be there and and engage. Uh, What do you have to say about that? Absolutely true. And again, that, that, that can shift dramatically based on geography, based on concept. You know, we have a restaurant like Volvera, which is at $150 per person average. That's a completely different set of marketing exercises than a restaurant like Buena Onda, which is at a you know, $19 check average. So uh, it really, you have to use the tools, you have to use facts, and you have to build those profiles out and then understand the behaviors and things that they're doing. Uh, to engage with them. And definitely online has changed the game. You know, social media has changed the game. Your ability to, to attract followers where they're opting in, you know, to get information from you. Uh, e-marketing has changed the game. Uh, but again, the, the fundamentals of how you execute those can differ dramatically uh, based on who your audience is and what they're looking for. Absolutely. Great advice. So on the topic of technology, I mean, the industry is changing so fast. Technology is changing so fast. fast and uh, it's, it's been said that technology can be an accelerator of your business. So what are some of the technologies that you're leveraging, whether it's front of house or back of house, or just in your personal life as somebody who's so busy like you are, that you would like to share with us today? I, I think it goes back you know, to sort of whatever your specific operational formula is. And to your point about accelerators, it's understanding how can I then apply technology accelerators to... Uh, improve our performance in each of these areas. So for us, it's about the guest experience. For us, it's about culture. For us, it's about talent. And for us, it's about operational discipline behind the curtain. And so, you know, as we built that roadmap out, quickly we looked and say, okay, what role can technology play in each of these sort of strategic areas of focus and helping us be better at it? So, you know, from guest satisfaction standpoint, you have to understand 
what they're saying. So a solution like Venga has been hugely helpful for us in collecting the social media data, collecting all of our online reputation stuff, hearing what people said, engaging with guests proactively on the back end to, to control the dialogue with them, and then using that data to, to make you know, fact-based decisions on how we can improve performance or improve their experience. So it really does apply to us through each of those four pillars. Mm -hmm. From a talent standpoint, it's like we use Go Hire. It helps us, and uh, we use uh, hot schedules. And those things are powerful for us in staying engaged with our teams, understanding and, and going out and doing our talent sourcing as we need to. So I think it's, it needs to be more of the buy. Your, your use of technology needs to be the byproduct of your operational strategy. You can't just allow it to kind of come to you and happen because you're going to get quickly overwhelmed uh, by the opportunities that are out there. You have to really look and say, okay, how does this apply to a strategic area of operational importance? Um, lastly, you know, I'll just comment on the operational discipline side, which is kind of all the fun stuff that happens behind the curtain every day that when we get it right, our guests don't really see or feel, uh, but is incredibly important to uh, our success as a business, you know, tools like C2 and Avero, things like that, that give you real-time data and decision-making uh, to best manage the financial performance or best make other decisions relative to your overall operational performance are really, really powerful tools as well. Awesome. Can you dive a little bit deeper into C2It? I've heard it mentioned a few times on the show. I know Vanga's partnered with C2It, but how do those two different uh, systems or two different technologies work together? So C2It is basically a back office system that pulls a variety of sources, primarily your POS, but also your labor module, et cetera, to provide real-time analytics into how your operating is, operation is performing. So we can see on a shift-by-shift, -shift, on a real-time basis, labor issues, sales performance, check averages, cover counts, all of that information is there. Uh, and Invenga has built a really powerful bridge in pulling all of that data and allowing us now to understand something we didn't really understand in the past, and that is a, a guest at a one-to-one -one level. So through pulling POS data, Venga builds a guest profile to where that is now synced up into open table. So when we open up that guest's open table file, we can see the types of things they like to spend money on. Uh, we can see their preferences, if they have any special needs from a dietary standpoint, what have you. And this, all this, all of this information, this data, and, and I think that's one of the things the industry is really just starting to figure out. Is you have traditionally we were not, you know, the restaurant business has been highly intuitive, not highly analytical. It's mm -hmm. been a lot. Just trust your gut. Uh, we know it's right, go with it, where you know, we're getting more and more really valuable and usable data today that allows us to make good decisions and combine sort of the intuitive side or the, the left brain of our work with the right brain and build you know, effective business strategies that are ultimately going to deliver great guest satisfaction, but also allow us to make decisions that are going to be going to promote efficiency or the other things that need to happen behind the curtain to be as successful as possible from a shareholder standpoint. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, when I think of data collecting and leveraging these tools like Vanga, like it, the ability to anticipate needs has always been there. And that's what makes people really great in this role as front of house hospitality, just anticipating those needs. But with a service where you're collecting data like that, you can just anticipate so many needs down to like the very littlest finite details 
that you yeah. can really just blow it out of the water, and it's so powerful. And thank you for explaining that deeper for us. And I mean, definitely worth checking out. So if you could just give us one piece of business advice, maybe travel back to the '90s where you're making the decision to make a, a career in hospitality your thing. Like, if you could give yourself one piece of business advice, travel back in time, what would it be? Trust your gut. Uh, that is sometimes a very nerve-wracking enterprise exercise, uh, but your gut, particularly as you gain experience, is not going to steer you wrong. If, if your DNA, if your sort of composition uh, as a restaurateur is sound from day one, your gut is going to be probably the most powerful guide in your success in this business because it's just an, a reflecting the essence of who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are many times where I look back, I would sit there and say, man, my gut told me that was the right thing to do. Other things got in the way of that, or I just got into some weird analysis paralysis where I was afraid to make a decision that I knew was the right one to do, uh, and, and ultimately probably kicked myself on the back end and learned from it and said, hey, this is something that uh, in the future I don't want to repeat that mistake. On the flip side, I can tell you, most of my best decisions from be it talent and people that I've hired or people I've promoted and surround myself with, uh, general decisions about what's best for the guest, whatever it might be, my most successful decisions have ultimately come from the gut. Awesome. It's come from, from just this you know, fortunate intuition and fortunate alignment I have uh, as a person in loving what I do and understanding and putting the needs of our guests and, and team members first and knowing that, hey, if I'm really switched on, uh, 99.9% of the time, if I make that decision with the right interests of all of those groups in mind, uh, it's going to be right for for everybody. It's going to be the right one. Awesome. I love it. Great advice. And if there is one question I could have asked you, Scott, what would it have been and why? I, I think it's sort of you know, the secret of the restaurant industry is, you know, if I had one way to describe how do you succeed long term in this business, what is it? And to me, you know, this business is about forming a perfect equilateral triangle between stakeholders between your guests, between your shareholders, and between your employees, all enveloped in a good climate for the community that you do business in. And so, you know, my advice to somebody is seek that out. You know, it's very easy to succumb to the pressure of erring too much on the side of the guests. You end up giving the house away and not having a sustainable business model. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to succumb to the pressure of just saying, oh, I want happy employees all the time and not being a tough manager or leader when you need to be. And sometimes you need to be tough to keep that balance intact. Or you can fall victim to you know, short-term decision-making that's going to produce a nice short-term result on your P&L, but long-term is a loser for the guests and your employees. So you know, my days are spent sort of obsessing on how's that triangle look? How do we keep it that equilateral triangle in perfect balance? And so, you know, I, I, when I, again, when I first joined Garces, that was one of the big focus areas I had, particularly with our general managers, was saying, like, this is what my thinking is all about every day. It's how I'd like to see you think, is how do we achieve that perfect balance? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you're ever in a moment of truth where uh, you can't see through that error on the side of the guest, if it's a guest satisfaction issue, uh, and trust your gut. So... Uh, that's been something that's really served me well, and, and I think you know if I can give one word of advice to to young restaurateurs, uh, that's it: is build your understanding of what exactly that triangle looks like, and then live by it every day. Awesome, I love it. Great advice, and we're gonna wrap it up now. And we wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out 
who's one indie restaurant professional, Scott, you admire and think would make a great guest mentor on the show like you have today? Uh, I'm going to stay here in my backyard, my hometown of Philadelphia, which I think has one of the most exciting restaurant scenes in the country country right now, and point to uh, Jeff Benjamin from Vetri Family. Uh, he's there, um, and Mark Vetri's a longtime partner, astounding restaurateur. I've, I've just enjoyed the opportunity to get to know him over the past couple of years, and uh, Jeff is my man, and I know would have a heck of a lot of value to add to this conversation. You're right. He did add a value to the conversation. He was. This is the first time it's happened. That means I'm getting out there. I'm talking to a lot of people. He's been on the show. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you think of anyone else? Uh, okay, let's stick in the uh, hometown market of Philadelphia. Rising star Kevin Spraga from Spraga Dining. Uh, I'd recommend him. Winner of Top Chef. Really fascinating guy. Or his head operations guy Ben Falecchia is another one I would highly recommend. Both truly amazing hospitality professionals. And absolutely worth uh, worth having on the show. And I only find it appropriate that Benjamin beat me on here, so uh, I'll have to give him a hard time the next time I see him. He was awesome. So your mind was in the right place. He was a great guest. I'll link to that episode in the show notes. Uh, but look out, Kevin and Ben, man. I'm coming after you guys. Uh, can't wait to get you on the show. I'd be honored if you would join us. And uh, let the folks at home know, Scott, how we can connect with you uh, if they want to continue the conversation or maybe they want to come work for you over at Garza's Restaurant. So uh, let's, let's talk about how we can connect. So you can find us online, uh, the, the group overall, www.garcesgroup.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, at Scott Steenrod. Uh, or you can just visit the Garces Group website, and it's not too many layers of bureaucracy to track me down. So, uh, yeah, I would love to hear from anybody. We're, we're a rapidly growing, fun group. i uh, got a lot of exciting projects in the pipeline, including our first restaurant in New York City this fall. Uh, we'll be opening Mata there, so we're looking forward to joining, uh, you know, certainly one of the country's preeminent dining scenes and bring our unique brand of Latin hospitality to the New York market. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show as a guest mentor. Uh, there is no questioning, Scott. You are unstoppable. Thanks, sir. There we have it. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Scott Steenrod, thank you so much for coming out and being a guest on the show. So much great value in this episode. And some of the things that really just took out to me was his advice to not be somebody who thinks destiny just happens to you, but to be somebody who goes out and determines their destiny through taking action and trusting your gut. Uh, Awesome advice and really just somebody who genuinely likes being good to others and serving others. I mean, that's what it takes to be successful in this industry. And I think that's why I love this industry so much because you literally get to just make people happy by being good to them. And at the core of it, that's what it boils down to. Great stuff. If you want to check out everything we discussed in today's episode, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash Scott Steenrod. I'll have links to everything we talked about right there in the show notes. The books he recommended, the services he recommended, a recap of our discussions. I'll also have the links to that underground dinner I recommended uh, you check out to support 
Edwin over there in Asheville, North Carolina. And lastly, I just need to remind you to support the show. And there's a number of ways you can do that from simply using my links. If there's a product or service that has caught your interest that our past guests have mentioned or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and give me a five-star review. That really helps with getting ranked and helping show up on SEO search results. And lastly, what would be huge is just going to restaurantunstoppable.com slash support and uh, making a small donation if you'd like to uh, just support the cause of trying to develop this melting pot of mentors so we can all learn together. Uh, every little bit helps. God knows I could use the support uh, going to school, working part-time, and doing two to three episodes a week. It takes a lot out of me, and every little bit helps. So thank you so much if you have supported me so far, um, and thank you in advance if you are going to support the show. All right, guys, that's all I have. Until next time, peace out.